0: read about a a group of children that were in school and they came time for lunch and they all lined up in the cafeteria and at the head of the table there was a big bowl of apples there and there was a sign that one of the teachers had put there and it said just take one God is watching so the children went through the line and they got their food and at the end of the line there was another big platter full of cookies And a child had written another note, and it said, Take all you want. God is watching the apples. (laughs) Now, which is it? Does God watch apples, or does God watch the cookies? What what does God pay attention to? Does He watch both? How much does He see? How much does He know? And I'm not going to pretend tonight to be able to, to capture and talk about the answer to that question we can make a stab at it but how do we talk about a God that is this vast Job said God's greatness is beyond our understanding beyond it just you cannot understand it David calls the heavens the work of God's fingers Psalm 8 Isaiah said The width of God's hand, His hand, marked off the heavens. God's hands placed over the sky, touching stars. What kind of scope are we talking about here? Several have tried to describe it, explain it. Uh, Philip Yancey tried to describe the scope of God's size and God's involvement in his book, prayer, does it make any difference? And he asked the question, just how big is God? And he used a a coffee cup. He said, if the Milky Way galaxy were the size of North America, now get your Google map out and just see all of North America. If that were the size of our Milky Way, he said, then our solar system The sun and the moon and all of its planets would fit in a coffee cup. Now picture this cup sitting somewhere on North America. All in North America is the Milky Way. All of our solar system is in that cup. How do we comprehend such size? And then he goes on to say... Voyager spacecraft has been hurtling toward the edge of the solar system. By the way, I've read that it has been extended three different times. It's now past it. But it's been heading there at a rate of 100,000 miles per hour for almost four decades. They've been speeding away from the Earth, approaching a distance of 12 billion miles. Now, he had different numbers, and I updated them. When engineers beam a command to the spacecraft at the speed of light, it takes 17 hours for that command to reach the spacecraft. Yet this vast neighborhood of our sun, the size of a coffee cup, fits along with several hundred billion other stars in the Milky Way, which is one of perhaps a hundred billion stars such galaxies in the earth, the width of God's hand, marking off the universe. And so what does it mean to be in the presence of a being this vast? What does it mean to be in God's presence? What does it mean to know God? I want you to listen to a quotation from the Apostle Paul, and it's not really trying to describe the presence of God it's really issuing a warning to a church that's kind of veering off course but in the quotation you can see a door of understanding about our topic in Galatians 4 Paul writes formerly when you did not know God you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's but now that you know God or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Now buried in that, did you catch the little phrase? He says, now that you know God, and then he kind of corrected himself and said, or rather are known by God. They go together. To know God is to be known by God. I think this is why Jesus said in Matthew 7, talking to the religious establishment of his day, he said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I I never knew you. Yeah, there was all of this time invested in religion, and there was all this religious activity but we never got to know each other we didn't know each other you didn't know me relationship did not happen you see when I'm seeking God he's seeking me he wants to know me he is not passive in his relationship with me and tonight I want us to see something Of God's side of the relationship because the more I think that I see and understand the depth of God's commitment the more committed I will be my side needs to see his side because you see a a committed life doesn't come from simply being told to have one and it doesn't come from simply receiving a long list of instructions on how to do it. No, being faithful to God depends upon seeing just how faithful he has been to me. And this is stated all through both the Old and New Testaments, particularly in the Psalms, and especially in Psalm 139. This very powerful and personal psalm does not present uh, an abstract picture of God. A lot of theories, a lot of categories that are ethereal. No, the truth about God here is expressed in a very personal way. God and me. And it answers the question of what does it mean to be in God's presence? Now let's pause and reflect on that with this song His presence
1: there is comfort in in
0: Presence? What does it mean to experience God's presence? Well, Psalm 139 says, among other things, it means that He knows me. God knows me. Look at verses 1 through 6. O oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain." Almost every line of these verses says, he knows me. Every place, every word, every thought, every plan, he knows me. And his knowledge is extensive. The word search in this psalm means to probe and to penetrate. It means seeking. In fact, it's the very word that was used to describe what Joshua and Caleb were doing when they were spying out the land. They were spying out the land. They were probing the land. They were penetrating the land. They were learning everything about the land so they could put their report together and go back to Israel. And God is peeling back layer by layer all there is about me until he reaches the core of who I am, of who we are. His knowledge is extensive, doesn't, not, doesn't even cover it. But it's also continual. In fact, the figure of speech that David uses in verse 2 expresses totality when he says, when I sit and when I rise. In other words, all the time. Sitting, rising, walking, lying down. God knows me wherever I am. His knowledge is extensive and continual. But it's also, more than this, it's universal. Verse 3, he says, you discern my going out, my lying down. I think this is public and private. God is intimately acquainted with every facet of my life. There is no uh, secrecy in my life with God. I can hide from everybody else. I cannot hide from God. Why would I want to? Why would I want to hide from the one who can heal me and direct me? God knows everything. It's, it's universal. And this is, I think, why David says in verse 6, that God's knowledge is, he calls it, too wonderful and too awesome and too amazing. And is this not why we praise him and why we honor him and why we pray to him? Because he knows all about us. He knows us. Like we just sang, the power of his presence. In his presence there is comfort. In his presence there is peace. In fact, when we seek the Father's heart, we find such blessed assurance in the presence of the Lord. And the last line of that song is particularly powerful because we make it into a prayer. It says, cover me, Lord, with your presence. Just drape your presence over me. You see, we pray this because he knows us. He knows every wound, every obstacle, every discouragement. But he also knows every evil plan and every crime and every sin. And you see, what amazes me, is that even though He knows me completely, He stays with me. He stays with me. He protects me. He takes care of me. As we like to sing, God will take care of you. God will take care of me. Let's sing it together. Be not
1: dismayed, whatever betide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you.
0: takes care of me by being with me. And that's what Psalm 139 tells me next. God is with me. Look at the next set of verses, starting in verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Now, we could say, that he's looking at this uh, from a vertical point of view, looking up and looking down, or from a horizontal point of view, east to west, left to right. Uh, But again, he's using opposites to express totality. From the heavens to the depths, that's total. Uh, From one side of the ocean to the other, that's total. Darkness, light, day, night, east, west. He's just trying to say everywhere. And these images not only describe God's physical closeness, but I think they also mean that God is with me through every kind of circumstance in my life, whatever I'm going through. And so what am I going through? In times of happiness, in times of hope, in times of satisfaction, yes, he's there, and he enjoys it with me. But in times of disappointment, in times of pain, in times of failure, in times of grief, he's still there. He doesn't say, well, I'm only going to be here when it's good. He's there all the time. I like the way one writer put it. He said, the will of God will never lead us to where the grace of God cannot keep us. Whatever I'm, Wherever I am and whatever I'm into, He will be there. Storms, trials, loneliness, dangers, loads of life. Do these words sound familiar to you? Well they may not only because we experience them but be- also because they're right out of one of our favorite hymns that has become a prayer. I'm going to read it to you. It's very much like this song and you'll recognize it because it has become a prayer for many people. Be with me Lord. I cannot live without thee. I dare not try to take one step alone. I cannot bear the loads of life unaided I need thy strength to lean myself upon be with me Lord and then if dangers threaten if storms of trial burst above my head if the lashing seas leap everywhere about me they cannot harm or make my heart afraid be with me Lord No other gift or blessing could thou bestow could with this one compare a constant sense of thy abiding presence wherever I am to feel that thou art near. Be with me, Lord, when loneliness overtakes me, when I must weep amid the fires of pain, and when shall come the hour of my departure." For worlds unknown. Oh Lord. Be with me then. God knows me. Because he's with me. He has to be with me. It's his nature. To be with me. Because he is a father. Of mercies. That is his name. Let's sing it together in song.
1: Of mercy's day.
0: My Father of mercy knows me. My Father of mercy is with me because my Father of mercy created me. And Psalm 139 says, Now God made me. Verse 13 For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. It's now much clearer to me why God knows us and why God stays with us, is because of his investment. God made us. And his language is so very intimate and very personal, knit together, woven together. God is a craftsman. He's creating each one of us. But of course this is not the only view of life that's out there. I mean there are those uh, that will say well we're just biological accidents. That's all we are. Living on an obscure planet in a second-rate galaxy and just part of the cosmic debris out there floating around. But David knows better. And we know better we did not just happen Uh, dr. Paul Brand is known for his work with leprosy and particularly with hand surgery in fact he has authored uh, chapters in numerous books on the surgery to the hand medical textbooks and he's written in his own uh, uh, works his own books of his own amazement when he thinks about the creation of just the human hand. Listen to what he says. I could fill a room with volumes of surgical textbooks that describe operations people have devised for the human hand. Different ways to rearrange the tendons, the muscles, and the joints. Thousands of operations. But I don't know of a single operation that anyone has devised that has succeeded in improving the hand. It's beautiful. All the techniques in the books are to correct the deviance. The one hand in a hundred hands that's not functioning the way God designed. There is no way to improve on the hand God gave us. And then he says, I concur with Isaac Newton, who said, in the absence of any other proof, the thumb alone would convince me of God's existence. The opposable thumb. And so it's with awesome wonder that we thank God who made us, all the parts. We praise our Creator. The hymn writer John Eliot put it this way Awesome power, boundless grace, none can fathom all your ways. Truth and love are found in your heart alone. Righteousness around your throne. Holy, 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 Lord Most High. God knows me. And God is with me. And God made me because God sees my future. And he wants to be a part of leading me through it. God wants to make a way for me.
1: Go away where it seems to be me closely to his side, with love and strength for each new day, he will make a way. he will a way.
0: So Psalm 139, God knows me, God is with me. God made me, and finally, it says, God will lead me. Let's close out the psalm in verse 19. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first started to read through this, those verses seem out of place. I mean, are we to believe that the God who we just read tenderly cares for the unborn baby is going to slay the wicked? I mean, how can David claim to love God and yet hate the people that are made in the image of God? Well, before we conclude that this is unusual, I think we need to be reminded that there are many Psalms that call for judgment. You see, these are not uh, moderate passive enemies, what does he say about them? Verse 19, they're wicked, bloodthirsty. Verse 20, God's adversaries. Verse 21, rising up against God. And so when someone says, well, shouldn't we just kind of leave the judgment up to God? Well, the answer is yes, absolutely. In fact, I think that's what David does in the final two verses. He puts himself in God's hands. He says, I'm anxious. And then he says four things. Search me, test me, know me, lead me. And in those words, I hear trust. And I hear desire. I hear transparency, I hear flexibility, I hear David saying, I want to be more than I am. I want to move further on. And these are the attitudes and these are the perspectives that we bring to our life. And now that I can see God's side of the relationship, now that the first question is well in hand how has God related to me? He knows me, he stays with me, he made me, he leads me. Now that I've thought about the first question I think I'm ready now for the second question. How do I relate to God? How do I want to respond to a God like that? One of my favorite sayings goes this way: we are never alone because I can take God with me and then leave him there with you he can be everywhere he's everywhere he's with us tonight in this building he'll be with you as you drive home maybe that will make a difference he'll be you when when you're arriving at home he'll be with you in your job tomorrow he'll be with you at the dinner table he'll be with you when you play golf he'll be with you in the grocery store He'll be with you when you're happy and when you're sad. At all times, in all situations, he is everywhere. I like the way the writer Paul Little puts it. He said, God is not a substance spread out in a thin layer over all the earth. He said, all of him is in Chicago, and all of him is in Calcutta, and all of him is in Cairo. And all of him is in Caracas. All at once and all at the same time. That's the God we're responding to. And tonight we have been thinking about his side of the relationship. And so when we sing this song about his faithfulness that we have just detailed, God may lead you to say something to this whole church or he may lead you to say something to one person in this church but I'd like to suggest that he also may lead you to a simple prayer the prayer we just read verse 23 search me O God know my heart Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is anything offensive in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Our God is faithful. Let's stand together and tell him that.
1: Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father.